Hi, and welcome to Gomology, a podcast about menswear and clothing, old and new, from a perspective of buying, wearing, evaluating, appreciating and collecting. The idea is to provide a non-fashion view of what men might wear if they knew more about it and the stories that go with. There will likely be no mention of tailoring or pocket squares. This is Season Zero, Episode 3, and in this episode my co-host is Sean from Glasgow. We talk buying uh, decent clothes, getting value for money, at what point you might find peak value, and why buy better, buy less may not be the most sensible catchphrase. Welcome to uh, the second live chat with uh, Sean and Nick. Mm-hmm. Giving you the straight talk on uh, what to buy, what not to buy, mm-hmm. how to be a man, mm-hmm. and other interesting topics. That's a broad <laughs> spectrum. So broad. today we're going to talk about uh, talk about shopping, mm. and we're going to cover what might be a sensible buy, what's likely not a sensible buy. Mm. Um, Maybe something about how to judge whether something is good or bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and what is a wise investment? Does that sound about right? Yes, uh-huh, I think so. And then I think we're going to briefly cover how to buy things, eBay mainly, um, secondhand, and just sort of briefly cover that. It's, it's quite a broad subject that we've covered in print before on the, um, on the blog. Um, but... I think, yeah, I think we just go over some points and, and eliminate some myths and, and just sort of try and narrow it down a little bit about a good way to buy and not a good way to buy. Um, but we were, the main topic of today was, you know, about buying things to last. So how do you buy things that you know are, uh, are going to last you a while? Um, buying things that you will buy once hopefully um you know an item that you could buy once and it'll last you a while um so we 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 you and I look at it from sort of two slightly different viewpoints um i think coming to the same conclusion though i would imagine so um from you from sort of a more high end point of view so um a lot of diminishing returns when you spend say x amount on something do you spend x amount more and what extra does that get you? So what would be the benefit? Um, and then likewise at the bottom end, so how far down do you go before you start thinking, you know, that's that's not going to last or um, that's not going to, that's not going to be better. Because there is, there is the factor of budgets here and we do appreciate that not everyone mm-hmm. has the same amount to spend. Um, mm-hmm. Some people have very little money. There mm-hmm. are options. Other people have almost unlimited money, which is probably less of a problem but uh, yeah. uh, maybe we should address that first point um, there's a thing yeah. now going around which is buy better buy less mm. which strikes me as more of a marketing tactic than an actual mm. sound advice it's, it's a sort of catchy thing to say yeah and, and, and I would imagine that you know, again, from a marketing point of view, it's coming from those that maybe you know, um, you okay, you on? Yeah. Um, and I, I think 
a starting point would just be buy nothing. <laughs> um, so look at what you do have. Then do you need to buy anything in, initially? You know, do you need to buy something? You know, do you have something that would do the job um, for you? You know, do you have a pair of jeans that would be fine? Or is there something lurking at the back of the wardrobe you've not worn for a while that um, would, would be a, a, a suitable thing to drag out and dust down? You know, um, well, from we, that point of view, yeah, there's a start. I think there was an older version of that saying, which was, buy better by once. Mm-hmm which seems to me like the more consumer-orientated version of it and not yes. the shops asking yes. to come and buy yes. more expensive stuff. Uh-huh. I mean, I think, well, the, the example that always springs to mind for me is um, uh, jeans, you know, a pair of jeans. So I'm quite new to the world of sort of high-end jeans. I'm so new in the fact that I haven't actually got any. Um, but, you know... So where where's the cutoff point? So pair of jeans, you could really get away with having one pair of jeans, couldn't you? You know, sure. the mantra now being that you don't wash them. But so one pair of dark denim, straight leg jeans, and a decent amount of denim should do you. If you're not therefore, everything's a variation of that. Um, so if you could get away, but it's you know how much do you spend? The jeans I probably wear most are. Uh, Uniqlo pair that aren't salvaged denim, they're just a regular, I think they would have been about £30. Yep. Bought them second hand for, I think, £12. But I find them very comfortable and they're a good fit. Um, I find sometimes the, the thicker denims I find quite uncomfortable at times um, and I struggle to, to sort of break them in. I've got a, a pair of Levi 501 sort of XX, I don't know what the that means that they're they're kind of very thick sort of um, selvage denim that I just can't seem to to, and I reckon if I wore them every day fine and wore them in bed fine you know uh, or going swimming or whatever but they just don't seem to to break in but you've probably got more experience on that than I have. I think if you washed them a couple of times they'd loosen up nicely Mm -hmm. but but Uniqlo is a good point when it comes to denim because Mm -hmm. um, Uniqlo make Totally serviceable jeans. I mean, they're great value. And I can't stress that enough. I mean, value for money is a mm-hmm. ma- major point here. And uh, there's often talk about salvage denim and so forth. Yes, that is normally meant to indicate a higher quality of denim. But it's not sort of the magic word that a lot of people will make it out to be. Mm-hmm. Uh, people who are denim enthusiasts when it comes to selvage denim, they're thinking of denim woven on narrow shuttle looms, probably in Japan, uh, a fabric with a lot of character, and will probably fade in unique ways when you wear it. Mm-hmm. But uh, you also have selvage denim, which selvage really just means it has a selvage, that colourful stripe on the edge right. of okay. the fabric, right. which basically you can do on any loom. So right. as a descriptor, it's meaningless. Like. But uh, the stuff that uh, Uniqlo uses is salvage denim, and they're remarkably reasonable and a good mm-hmm. starting point. Mm-hmm. Um, you'd get a better pair of jeans for, say, £100, maybe £150. Do you get jeans twice as good at £300? No, you don't. It's like you said, the law of diminishing returns. Mm-hmm. So what would, you, what would you be looking for... At a hundred pounds over the fifty pounds. What, so what? What sort? 
you know. Um, so if you went and bought a pair of Levi, I don't know, 501s was always the one that was the popular jeans. What would you, you'd probably pay, what, 80, 90 pounds for them now, I would imagine, thereabouts? No idea. Much cheaper, I wouldn't imagine. But So what, what right. would a pound pair of jeans get you that 50 pound wouldn't? I hope they were better made. Mm. Then again, comparing it to Uniqlo is a bit tricky because Uniqlo do make things really pretty well. Yeah. They'd be just, it's just different. a general high street pair of, you know, jeans compared with, um, you know, something at sort of two, three times the price. What would be the, what, what, what would, be, would be the difference there? What would you be looking for? I'd think uh, possibly better fabric, probably better sewn, probably made in Eastern Europe rather than Asia. Right, okay. Um, and once you're coming up to £200, you probably have more interesting denims. Mm. Now, I realise for many people, interesting denims, it's just, mm. what are you talking about, man? <laughs> but when you uh, stroke your hand over your thigh and you mm. think, that feels nice, then mm. you've probably got an interesting denim. Right. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So the, the Italian denim they make now is uh, the most environmentally conscious denim. It's right. absolutely perfect. I mean, the quality is top notch, but it is entirely featureless. Mm -hmm. Which doesn't really do what you want, though. You don't want, certainly on jeans, you don't want huge logos on the back or the pocket. Oh, no. It just makes them, you know, there was uh, a kind of phase for that about. Sort of 10 years ago, 15 years ago, where jeans were sort of a mobile advertising board, you know, and there would be... And you don't want them artificially ripped and torn and worn. And yeah. um, I mean, personally, I think a pair of jeans never looks as good again as the first day you have them. Mm -hmm. Straight from the box kind of thing, that, that feeling, you know. Yeah, absolutely. Nice and crisp and universally blue all over. Yeah. So, so moving down... <laughs> So I'm moving downwards then. I'd say about yeah. 200 is about peak denim. Yeah. After that, you're not really getting much value for your for your money. And would it a lot sort of be then rarity? It will be rarer. It will be probably made in Japan. Um, mm -hmm. Hard to get. I mean, part of the thing is hunting down a rare pair of jeans from some obscure website in Japan. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not giving you value for money, but it's giving you yeah. a bit of fun. And, uh, yeah, yeah. And I suppose, you know, a lot of people like that kind of thing, and that's fine. But again, yeah, it's like, will, will it get you anything that better? I think shoes is always one for me that I've always seen a very clear line in the more you pay, the better they'll be, you know? Um, generally, hold that thought a second. I just noticed an interesting question here about how often you wash your jeans. Okay. And I have to say that there is so much hoopla said about washing jeans. And for me, it's a case of if they're dirty, wash them. Um, it's, a, it's a feature of the indigo dye that it's almost powder like. So it lies outside the cotton when it's spun, yes. which makes it so it falls easily off. And it also mm -hmm. means that when you wash it, all that loose indigo dust will be released. Mm -hmm. So if you wash it, you will get more fades or wear in them. Right. But really, all this talk about wearing them for a year before washing them, I mean, that is marketing hype again. Is right. 
Okay. Juice, yes. I would imagine they'd be a little bit smelly as well. You know, if you left them for a year, your general, I think about like your general year, what you would do. And I've got a dog as well, you know, so it's like, as you do, you, you get two. So the thought of leaving a pair of jeans is just, it's not feasible. I, I don't even want to go into the sort of no. stuff you'll find in a pair of jeans after a year, but uh, they give you a CSI denim, I think. Oh. <laughs> creatures, creatures. So again, moving on so shoes again without having a huge amount of research done or experience i can tell that generally the more i pay for a pair of shoes albeit second hand i will notice a clear differentiation between a pair of shoes at 80 100 pounds high street shoes the pair at say even 200 pounds or the pair that would have cost me 300 pounds or 400 pounds that is it that for me there's a very clear link in the quality of the materials used how they're put together and, and how long they last and, and how long they look like they're designed to last as well um, would you agree or um i think we if i mean if we say um what is a good pair of shoes i mean are yeah. there certain characteristics say are they resoldable? Which mm -hmm. means that they'll last with resoling four times as much, four mm -hmm. times as long as a pair that aren't resoldable. Um, doesn't matter where they're made, because mm -hmm. uh, obviously a pair made in India will be a lot cheaper than just than in the UK. Yeah. So, I mean, you see a lot of footwear around these days for, and I know this is a point where people get into the budget idea but you can find a serviceable pair or serviceable pair of shoes say for just under 100 pounds mm -hmm. but if you want a pair of good year welted uk made resoldable shoes mm -hmm. you're really looking at 300 up mm -hmm. but but you can get a good pair for 300 yeah this, this is new yeah but you, i mean again we were talking about budget but the 300 pounds yeah it may seem a lot of money and it is a lot of money however you again as you say you're getting something that will last you the rest of your life if they're looked after um you know it's, it's a resolable it's something you're always going to have um and as long as you're buying something that is in a style that is relatively timeless shape and style of shoe i think we kind of swung back to a, a, a regular sized Toe and length of shoe rather than the pointed, um, double the, yeah, it was sort of prevalent in the 60s and then kind of made some sort of comeback. But if you look at, yeah, like a proper English made shoe, it's generally about the same shape, isn't it? It's kind of rounded. Hold on, it's kind of rounded, and um, I've always got something handy. <laughs> Bring out the props, so that kind of yeah. shape, you know, um, so. That would have, they were, would have been new about £300, I would have imagined. Yeah. Um, you know, when I bought them secondhand, the soles were worn right through. So that pair of soles there, which is a, a Vibram, like full length, that cost me £45 to get those fitted, um, including the sole. And that, you know, makes them good as new. Um, yeah. And they're not really going to go out of fashion, are they? Because they're not what you would call... A really in fashion. So, if it's never in fashion, it can't really go out of fashion. So, which is the yeah. sort of thing I like. Yeah, and and it's it's an item that 
I can always reach for and I know that, the, you know, whatever the weather, um, I'll wear them in the summer if I'm going somewhere where it requires a decent pair of shoes, but equally I can wear them in the, in the middle of the winter as well. Um, and again, money-wise, I think I've paid, what, perhaps £80, £90, I think, for them second-hand. Um, and then, they, yeah, and, they, they, you know, the additional um, cost of the soles. So, you know, it wasn't a massive outlay, you know, initially, um, you could you could go to a high street shop and buy a pair of shoes made in the Far East um, that have been you know banged together on a on a, a cheap machine that would have cost about the same. I would imagine they cost about the same, and they'd probably last one maybe two seasons, mm -hmm. and then they'd be landfill. Yeah, yeah. Because if you're on them all the time, I mean, I'm not massively active, so my shoes tend to last a while, but. You know, if you're walking to work or public transport, or whatever, they're going to wear down. Even driving, they wear down quite a bit. So, what other items would you say we need to be looking at for things that you could buy that would last you, things that would last you a certain length of time? Jackets is unavoidable. Yeah. And I see again secondhand. I mean. Stuff like a barber jacket, which, I mean, how how long if you used it every year? How long would it last? Mm. And then you can pick one up secondhand for pretty much nothing. Yeah, that's yeah. Good. they're getting cheaper. They're getting cheaper secondhand as well for some reason. I don't know. Maybe because it's coming up to the sun. Yeah, and it's probably like again, it's it's not fashion it's, it's, it's anti-fashion i don't know it's just the kind of thing i think they went through a brief period of sort of hipster cool didn't they about 10 years ago where i think they slip in and out of it because yeah, there's yeah. Prin princess die thing and the sloan rangers that, yeah, well, that, was, that was quite a while ago and they sort of showed <laughs> um yeah they had that and i think that was most people's kind of first association with them was that sloan ranger thing which kind of passed me by then they had a kind of moment with football casuals I think for a while with certain some sets of football casuals wore them and then they kind of I think I got one when I went fishing um, so it was a practical item and then you, you, you kind of realise how practical they are so you just kind of keep wearing them you know I generally I've got a few as most people I think that have one have more than one um, and there's generally always one in the back of the car. So there's always one thrown in the boot. It's usually the worst one, the most worn one. But I know it's always there, you know, so it's, it's handy to know. I wouldn't, like a decent tweed jacket or, a, or a, a good, you know, sort of outdoor jacket, I wouldn't just throw in the back of the car and leave. But I don't mind with a barber because you know that it can kind of take a bit of abuse and it can, it can take a bit of go. I had a quick look this morning. And there was a decent, I'm not going to tell exactly where, but there was a decent one on eBay in my size for 30 quid. Buy it now, 30 quid. Now, I've got one exactly the same, so I'm not going to buy it, I don't think. But <laughs> I, I, I'm just saying, you know, for 30 pounds, you've got a jacket that's kind of cool enough to wear in the, in the most summer, most northern summers, you could, you could wear it. Yeah. You could get a liner for it, you could buy a hood for it, you could stick a jumper under it, it's ideal for winter, it's waterproof, you know, you don't need to get too fussy about it. It's never not going to look okay, so you could walk into a sort of 
fairly top-end bar, if, you, if that's the sort of thing you do, or you could walk into a farmer's market and you kind of fit in. That, that's kind of what I like about them. So you, you, they're fairly classless in that respect that you don't need to, you know, you, you could fit into various sections of society, not that I do, um, and it would look okay, wouldn't it? Yeah. It might be a different case in Norway. But... And, it, and it works well. It's a proven design. Yeah. Um, you mentioned you've been looking on eBay. Yes, I have. I think you spend a fair amount of time on eBay, Sean. Probably too much time on eBay, Nick, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I, I go through phases where um, I'll be looking for something particular, so, um, and I'll sort of narrow it down and, and start looking at building up a profile of the product, how much is, how many is there, does, how much does it sell for, you know, um, what's the kind of cheap end, what's the dear end, who's taking the best of prices, what's realistic. And I think the more time you spend on it, the more you get to know the market for what you're looking for, or menswear in general, how it's listed, that kind of thing. Um, so I'd say it's probably 90% plus of the clothes that I buy, I'm buying off eBay um, to that point, because it's kind of giving me everything I need at the moment. It's giving me everything I want to buy. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Because it's quite an odd marketplace, really, because you have professional sellers, you have private sellers, you have new stuff, you have wildly secondhand stuff, yeah. cheap stuff, bargain stuff yeah. uh, from all over the world. Yeah. And uh, I know, because you look for the bargains, and I, admit I do look for the bargains as well, but I also look for the weird stuff, the odd stuff, the, the rarities. Yeah. Uh, it's where you can find stuff that you never thought you'd see for sale again. Absolutely. And, and you you know, that's when you've got to know that you buy. When you see it and it's there and it's once you buy it. I've had quite a lot of um, people sort of message me and stuff over the last six months, I would say, about, you know, about how to buy off eBay and, and um, what to look for. And I, and I know I had written... The piece on your blog, what yeah. eighteen months ago, maybe a year ago, um, sure. a year ago, yeah, on on how to how to buy. Really, like, it's not a quick fix. There isn't there isn't quick answers as to what to do and what not to do, right? Because it depends on what you're looking for, and I yeah. think you have to put the hours in. You have to put the research in um, about a product, and um, so you can't just wire in and go, right, I'm just going to look for whatever's there and if something pops up that's nice, that's great. You know? um, for me, it's about buying things that I necessarily wouldn't have spent the money on at full price, yet I'm prepared to pay for something at a cheap price. So, um, and it's about getting a bargain. You know? um, so if, say for instance, um, I was looking for a, a scarf, um, and I wanted a decent scarf, say like uh, a Co or a Dunhill or Drake's, that I'm not going to spend £200 on a scarf, I'm just not, you know, three yeah. children and a dog, you know, I can't, <laughs> we're not in a position that I can turn around and say, yeah, look, dear, I've got spent £200 on a scarf, you know, I'd be out in my ear, I'd be living in the scarf, but 
I can go on and, and, and get one for £20 or £15 or £30, you know. Um, but it's about doing that. So if you want a scarf, do some research, find out who makes the best scarves, you know. How much are they new? You know, how much do they sell for? So if they sell for normally 30 is a bargain, you know, do you want to pay 30 for a scarf? Maybe not. Okay, look at another brand. Look at something else. Um, an example being sort of one of the last sort of bigger purchases was a um, Henry Lloyd's consort jacket, which is a jacket I know has been around for about 30 odd years, um, designed by a guy called Olmus Caretti, who, um, Italian guy, who designed this jacket for Henry Lloyd to be a kind of all-in-one winter coat, light but comfortable, nice shape. So I did a bit of research, you know, there's a few different models, people still selling them for £50, £100, and I managed to pick one up, you know, but Again, that's about knowing the brand and knowing the product. And I think before people start going on and saying, you know, what can I get? What's for the money? I think you need to look at what you want first. Don't just buy stuff just because it's cheap. Buy what the things that you're looking for. You know, and do, do you want a, do you want a winter coat? Right. So what's the winter coat do you want? Do you want a barber? How many different barber styles? What you're really saying is build up the intelligence, get to know the brands, get to know the prices. Yeah. And I'd say there's one really important factor as well is know your sizing. Yes. And know to look at the sizing on the ads. Yeah. Normally be a P2P 20 inches, say, which is armpit to armpit measured flat. Sleeve length overall length as well so you might find a product a bit longer than than you would normally like um uh you, you know collar shoulder to shoulder so you don't want something that's okay. out there you and i know that sizing is, is not a standard thing it's a, definitely not and especially not when you move into vintage stuff it's so yeah. a medium might be just about anything and especially it, it generally could could you know, I've seen a medium being a 46 chest. I've seen a medium being a 36 chest, you know. So it, it, yeah. you have to ask. And if, if they've not told you, which a lot of them don't, because it's easy to put list something now. So you can list something on your mobile phone in five minutes. And it's easy for people to do that. And they won't list the, the sizes. If you're interested and they they want you to buy, ask them. Ask them the questions. Ask them the measurements. You know, and, and if they can't give you them, walk away. The other thing that was that people have asked about is how to buy so buy it now bidding making offers and again if it's a buy it now it's at the price you want just buy it that's nice and simple just you know it makes it easy um people put the buy it now's on because they want a quick buy but actually buy it now's take longer to sell you know so buy it now's can sit there for a long time but if a seller wants to keep something on for a while they'll put it on a buy it now if it's on a buy it now and you're not quite ready to commit save it just store it you know save this it'll be there it won't disappear overnight offers i think if, if an offer if, if, if you're putting an offer in for something don't take the piss so if something's 30 pounds don't offer them a tenner because you get three offers or something it's, it's not quite that's, that's pretty much a golden rule though. don't take the piss yeah. <laughs> That's how it, operates. it operates on a don't take the piss basis, you know, but there are plenty of people do. So if something's £30, I would maybe go in at 22 
when we talk 22, you know, and they, they hit 25. And, you know, anyway, bidding's bidding, which is the way most people will still still do it. When you're bidding for something, you still have to have a price in mind. So again, I look at £30. If you're prepared to pay £30, right, don't try and bid in at 20 at the last minute because you'll lose out. If, if you're going to lose out, you'll lose out. If you're prepared to pay 30, put a bid in for 30 with 10 seconds to go or less. I would even go down, it depends on your broadband speed, but six or seven seconds. Yeah, it's like, oh, six or seven seconds. Put in your top bid, but don't put in 30 pounds. Put in 30 pounds and 8p, because if somebody else puts in 30 pounds before you, they'll get it. So put in 30 pounds and 8p or 30 pounds and 10p or 12p. Okay, so then you guarantee it. Don't put in £35, because you're not paying £35. If you say you're going to pay £30, pay £30, right? And you can walk away. Don't get annoyed because you've, you, you've lost it for £4, right? It's yep. silly. It's silly. If, you, if you're prepared to pay £30, think about it and pay £30. Don't then go to 34 because then you'll go to 38 42 that, that, That's a, that's a pro, pro tip, Sean. And uh, the 10 yeah. seconds before the end is also very important. Because if you're doing it, say three minutes before the end and you see you're outbid, you yeah. increase it. You'll increase it. And then you get caught up. And suddenly you've spent 75 yeah. on it. Yeah. And, and I think end times as well. So unless something's ending at 9, 10 o'clock at night, especially on a weekend, that's, that's the time you want, if you're a seller, you want to end stuff. Because that's when people have had a couple of drinks, they're sitting there. <laughs> if something's finishing on a Monday lunchtime, you, you're going to get it. There's a good chance you're going to win it if it's on a Monday lunchtime it's finishing. You know, so if, kind of bear that in mind as well. Again, it's, there's not a quick fix. It's just research, research, research before you go in and start looking for something. You know, don't randomly buy 80 quid's worth of crap from Woolworths <laughs> clearance line or whatever. Or, you know, Oh, really, a lot of this advice also goes for buying from charity shops, doesn't it? And second-hand shops. I mean, doing the intelligence, knowing the brands you're after, yeah. or the brands you might be after. Um, and again, yeah. sizing, qualities, yeah. knowing what to look at. I mean, I, I'm always, whenever I find something, I'll be looking at what, what is the fabric, fabric like? Mm. Where's it made? Mm -hmm. uh, synthetics, I just tend to avoid straight away. Uh, I'll spend more time looking at a uh, good brand than a brand I've never heard of. Mm -hmm. Our charity shops tend, on the whole, the sort of high street things like Marks and Spencer, uh, Next, they, they tend to come up a lot in high street. Brands. There's like a, a shop brand, Charles to write to the writer. I think, yeah. it, I think it's an online shop brand, maybe. Every well, time I go to the one that sort of make out that there's several row or something like that, isn't it? Thank you. My wife's blending something in the kitchen there. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I mean, they, they look okay, but, you know, how many work business shops do you, you know? But I think with charity shops, there's, the difference is it's that buzz where you don't know what you're going to get. So you go in and, and there's a rail and you don't know what's there. It's, it's a completely different way of doing it. And I can understand why people get quite excited about charity shop shopping. I just don't do it that much. Um, you know, we've got a few, right? I tend to buy books from charity shops rather than clothes because I can, I can generally never find anything. 
Well, there's a lot, a lot of visits made with no return at all. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we just have the one big place locally, and I'll go in there every Saturday. You can almost set the clock by it, and I'll find something good three times a year if I'm lucky. Right. I, I, I found quite a lot. I was on holiday. You, you tend to find the more affluent the place, the, the better stuff you get in charity shops. You know, we, we were on holiday last year, and we were in a little village called Shaftesbury, where... You know the film The Hovis advert there? You know the, the gold hill where the little boy pushing the bike up the hill? Yeah. You might have seen it. Anyway. There was about 10 charity shops in a row and there was lots of good stuff. And I, and I got lots of decent stuff. And that was my holiday made, you know? I was quite happy. <laughs> like, I could do anything anybody wanted. I got to go to these 10 charity shops in a row and I picked up John Smedley jumpers. I got, um, you know, decent... It's just lots of, lots of, lots of decent stuff. Um, from them, but you don't, you know, the, the ones around here, most of them, it's okay, there's one or two decent things, but on the whole, it's, uh, you know, it's fairly, fairly bog standard. Books, books, I would tend to, to, to always get something. The way it works here in Norway is that um, it's basically the Salvation Army, and they collect stuff all over Norway, and it's sent to one sorting facility where the pickers also have a fair idea of what stuff might be able to sell for more. Mm. So by the time it gets out in the shops, there's loads of rubbish, but mm. anything that's really anything good mm -hmm. is priced too high for it really to be much of a, a find. Okay, right. Which has kind of killed the joy of doing it here. It's yeah. now even harder to find a, mm. a good find. I think there's a lot of um, here now that you sort of kilo sell, where they sell by the weight. I've seen that, yeah. I've never been to one, but there's, there's, there's usually a few on a monthly basis in Glasgow here, and I'm assuming it's the same everywhere in the UK where you pay per weight, and I can't help but thinking, what's the chances of picking something up decent, you know? They know what they have. Yeah, I think it will have been filtered somewhat by the time, uh, by the time it reaches the consumer. Um it may have been filtered somehow, you know, but, you know, I'm, I'm a great believer in buying second hand, you know, it's, it's just it's a way of life for me now, um, and, and it's how I buy stuff, and I don't think I'll go back, you know, but again, it's allowed me to buy things that I wouldn't normally pay for, I wouldn't normally um, buy stuff that's as expensive, you know, and that's, that's, that's where I'm able to, again, apply the principles of, of, of buying once, and not having to rebuy, but doing it on a second-hand basis. So, and maybe yeah. well, I mean, the second-hand market is so so huge and so, uh, I almost say, transparent now. I mean, you've got eBay, but you've got stuff like Depop, and you've got all the small ads. Market as well. Market, you've got the vintage shops. And there's just so much around. I mean, mm -hmm. if we said, stop making clothes today, mm -hmm. I mean, it'd be years before we needed to produce any more. Because, you know, clothing, it, it, it lasts. If you look after it, it lasts. You know, if you don't, like, if you're washing it wear at the right temperature, if you hang, if you fold it and put it away properly, if you, you know, with jeans, if you hang them upright, trousers, shoes, put your shoes in, you know, things will last you if you look after them. And again, if, you, if you've bought something that's a little bit more expensive than you perhaps normally would, you, you, you'll tend to again take a little bit, 
more care of it and, and look after it more, whether it's polishing your shoes up a little bit more often or, um, you know, sort of making sure the jacket's on a, a proper hanger, that kind of thing. It's, these are all basics that have been going over since but, time but, of moment, but it's it, the truisms, you know, that it's, it's absolutely true that if you do that, that things will last you longer, you know. Yeah, definitely being careful about washing. Mm. Um, I mean, I I have stuff I've been wearing for, I don't know if I should even admit to this, but I've been wearing it for <laughs> years, two on and off. Yeah. And washed it yet because I know I haven't spilt ketchup down the front. Yeah. Uh, no, I'm not a sweaty monkey. Uh, yeah. I hang things up carefully, let them air out, and I wear them again. Yeah. And also, um, I noticed the programs on the washing machine, the normal 40 degree is really harsh wash program. Mm -hmm. There are ones that will give a nice clean, which use less time, less detergent, less water, and are so much easier on the, the garments. Yeah. I mean, we've got we've got a 15 minute one hour washing machine that um, you can put to 30 degrees, you can have on a, a slow spin. And if it's knitwear, um, especially like lambs, wool or cashmere, I would tend to just use that. Yeah. But then it's not next to your skin. A jumper tends to be, so you would tend to always wear a shirt or a t-shirt under a jumper. So it, it's not getting, as you say, it's not getting sweaty. It's not getting marked. And as long as you're maybe just wearing it for a day and then moving on to something else, it shouldn't need washed that much. You know, yeah. I, I would actually probably wash my jeans more than I wash my jumper, you know, because knit, knitwear, woolens are the thing that washing machines can ruin very, very quickly. You know, um, that's the one thing I would say that, again, even at 40 degrees, you, you could you can ruin a, even a cotton jumper. It'll fade, it'll, it'll stretch, you know, it'll lose shape. Um, whereas a wool jumper will completely, you can yeah. completely ruin it, you know. It's not worth it. It's not worth it. A lot of good tips in this, uh, this chat, Sean. Well, I hope so. I hope, you know, and I think if anyone's got any questions, they can message us later. Then we can um, we can just ignore it as always. I mean, sorry, we could answer it and um, <laughs> you know spend the after the rest of the afternoon um, answering questions. And I hope I hope I hope people have enjoyed it. And then we need to think about what we're going to discuss. Have you got any other chats coming up? Anything else? This I've week? got a chat coming up with a Harris Tweed Weaver tomorrow. I think. Oh, excellent! I'll be listening to that. And uh, maybe another chat with Ducky on uh, Saturday. Cool. I enjoyed the last one. Mm -hmm. So, uh, yeah, we're having lots okay. of fun. Okay. Good so, time. in summary, what do we say today? We say... Buy right, do your research, buy things that last you, think about what your budget is, and again, research what you can get for your budget, and think about how many times I'm going to wear that item. So, do I, do I buy a blue polka dot jumper that I can wear once or do I buy a blue jumper that I can wear 10 times and uh, be careful in the sales because uh, a 50% discount is a powerful beer goggle don't no don't be tempted by it having having spent a lifetime in a way selling clothes sales that's maybe a topic for another day actually <laughs> just okay. say just don't um, that's it from us. That's it. Okay. Thanks, guys. I'll see you again soon. Bye-bye.
That's all for this episode of Gomology. If you enjoyed this, please do subscribe and I would really appreciate a good rating. Thanks for listening in and see you next time.